Welcome to A Whole New World with Deloitte, where we will be unlocking new possibilities for organizations. I am Noor Khoury, your host for this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. In this episode of A Whole New World, we will be demystifying enterprise business planning and how it can be a key enabler for businesses and government, helping and supporting and driving better and faster decision-making across the value chain. Joining me today from Jitex Global at the Deloitte booth, so it's great to have you gentlemen, are Jesper Simoni, Deloitte Middle East partner and Anaplan uh, Alliance leader, Dane Turbitt, EMEA Managing Director Anaplan, and Ivo Bauerman, Senior Vice President, Product Strategy, Anaplan. Great to have you all here. Thanks for having us. So let me start by asking you a very simple question. If you were to describe enterprise business planning in layman terms, how would you describe it? So for me, enterprise business planning is all about translating corporate strategy, enterprise strategy into operational plans and transformational initiatives. Very short. That's how I see enterprise business planning. Well, I liked what you said about demystifying. Enterprise business planning is a fancy name, but ultimately it's about creating an environment that allows you to make better business decisions to respond to, the, to today's changing world. Because we believe that better decision making drives better shareholder value and connecting together all of the silos in your organization to give you a connected planning view enables better decision making, which as a result drives better shareholder value. So that for me is what enterprise business planning is about. Well, and to build on that, I, I think, you know, the key word is here is business outcomes, right? We can talk about processes and technology, but as Dane explained, decision quality, you know, is, is really important. But then if we look at what the context of those decisions are that we're solving here are around how do we allocate our resources, capital assets in the most optimal way to drive business outcomes. And for a long time, this has been a very technical discussion, you know, about systems and tools. Um, but what we're seeing now is that enterprise business planning is really becoming a management conversation, as it should. So what we're doing is breaking down these silos that we find on a system perspective, where a lot of this is happening, where it's not enterprise because it's happening in, in, in small silos within the organization. And the enterprise thing is, is to elevate this and to do this at a higher level so that you're really connecting all these pieces and that becomes enterprise business planning. Very interesting. I mean, if we think, and you talked about organizations, you talked about business and government. So who should, you know, who is the key target audience? Who should you be talking to? I mean, who are those people that will be interested and should be, you know, this is relevant to? And what are the conversations that they should be having with the leadership in their organizations around enterprise business planning? Well, ultimately, as, as Ivo said, it's around business outcomes. So if you think of a typical enterprise, there is traditionally the financial planning that takes place in terms of what is the annual operating plan that you'd like to achieve. So the enterprise, that, that stakeholder in the organization is typically finance or the CFO. There's also forecasting, which is related to that, which is the sales effort. So how do you do sales performance management and how do you deliver that? But then going back to what Evo said, a lot of companies, especially if they're in manufacturing or carry inventory, it's around inventory optimization. And if you can bring those three together, combined ultimately with workforce planning, then you start to cross what we consider the four buying centers inside an enterprise. Sales, finance, HR and, and you know, human capital, and then supply chain management. And connecting the decisions in each of those areas towards business outcome for the enterprise 
is what we should be focused on. Maybe to add to, to what Dean is saying, planning brings the entire enterprise together. So if you think about a leadership team, a boardroom, you're bringing all the different components of the business into one discussion. Before it was very silo-based, it was never done collectively because we didn't have the processes, the policies, the technologies, the data to actually run it in combination and together. But now we see that and that's what's happening here through the enablement of an plan and their powerful platform and technology to bring these conversations into a boardroom or a CEO's office. So for me, it's not only the individual, let's call it C-suite individuals, it's also about the CEO and ultimately the board and the shareholders. I, I love that. I mean, that we are, in a sense, a technology company, but ultimately this is about the CEO, right? You know, as, as I said, allocating, you know, all these resources, you know, with, with, you know, people, assets, capital, which is finance, HR, you know, sales. How do you pull uh, all these, uh, these resources? So it should be the, the executive board. Um, and I think that is happening, but not at a explicit you know, level where they have said, you know, what is our enterprise business planning system? It's sort of all these processes that are happening. And then, it, you know, the data, you know, sort of elevates to the boardroom. So I think what we're doing here is to bring that conversation to the C level. Um, and then um, that also includes, because that's the one we kind of, you know, sort of forget. And this, this is the world that I'm coming from. And that's the CIO. Right. So the business users are CFO, COO, VP of supply chain the uh, the head of HR uh, and the CEO, but the CIO is the person that has to make this happen. So we are making a very conscious effort, you know, to make sure that we do both. We serve our business users and drive those business outcomes, but we also have to make sure that it can actually be deployed from a technical standpoint. And especially as, as a vendor like like us, we're, we're a small part in a, in a much larger IT environments. So our, our job is to build these products so they can fit in our customers' uh, IT environment. Well, look, just adding on that, I think the evolution of cloud adoption and some of the work that's happened in the last, let's say, 15 years has changed the landscape. Typically, organizations make decisions in their towers. So they'd make a yep. good decision for manufacturing or supply chain, they'd make a good decision for sales, they'd make a good decision for HR. But when we're talking about business outcomes, we have to bring those pieces together. And there hasn't really been a technology that integrates well with those best in breed, you know, towers and brings it to a board level where you can actually make a decision. Because ultimately, you could make a really good decision in you know, negotiating the supply of commodity. However, the cost of warehousing and transportation may outweigh the benefit that you've gained in that particular area. And if you're at the C-suite making that decision around, right, how does this overall decision affect my EBITDA, you're going to want to have inputs. And typically, that decision making is incredibly manual because you have to stitch together the underlying technologies. That's really what we enable today, um, sometimes called collaboration, which is a high level word for it. But ultimately, it's taking the best from each silo, putting it into a context that you can make real time decisions across your business. Well, you know what, Dana, that reminds me, you know, in, in the past, as you said, a yeah. lot of this was driven by finance, which yeah. is very natural because everything ultimately needs to finance. Whatever planning you're doing, it's going to hit the P&L or your balance sheet and cash flow. So it's very natural. So there was a tendency where uh, there was a lot of emphasis on the financial aspect of, of our plans. 
which I call, you know, what is financially desirable. Yeah. But the part of the equation was not forgotten, but was sort of not integrally, you know, taken into account was, is it operationally feasible? Yeah. So I think in a sense, if, if, we, if we boil it down, I mean, what we're doing here is to do what is financially desirable, the commitments that, you know, the higher level of the organization have made to either the shareholders or the stakeholders, but then also marry it with, hey, what is operationally feasible? You know, because if you can do both, you can actually deliver on those goals. Right, right, putting it. No, amazing. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, you know, it really brings everyone around the table and, and you know, it, it really incentivizes this integrated approach, which is yeah. so so important across, you know, all the different aspects of, of the business. Well, we have some statistics on that. I mean, you know, we service about 2,300 clients today globally and some of the, I think, 50% of the top Fortune 50. Um, and we noticed that the more parts of their organization they connect together, the more exponential the return on investment is. So, you know, finance use case, yes, there's a good business case and a return on investment, but connecting that to sales and supply drives your ROI up by 300%. So we have great statistics that we can share. With well, and, and to give an indication that this is real, you know, and, and we have done this with Deloitte. I mean, a lot of this is delivered in, in concert, you know, with a good partner like Deloitte to, to add to that. We have over a thousand companies, organizations doing this connected planning. So not just one silo. A lot of our competitors also do planning, but most of it is, is in one silo or the other. We have over a thousand doing two um, lines of business planning together in one system. So there's one. And that is, and th this I found amazing when I joined Anaplan, it's almost 300,000 users. 300,000 users doing connected planning every single day. So what we talk about here is not, so talk about demystifying. It's not a myth. This is a reality. This is what we're doing together yeah. with, with Deloitte. We're make, really making it happen. To, to bring it into the Middle East context, the Middle East is a very transformational market. There are a lot of developments here and we have a lot of change. We have a lot of uh, ambitions from governments and from, uh, from leadership in 2030 visions in, in the various GCC countries and the Middle East countries. And that means there's a lot of change. And if your markets are changing, your customers are changing, your supply chains are, uh, are changing all the time, you need to bring that all back into one connected plan to make sure you deliver on your objectives, which are enormous. The ambitions are sky high here. Yeah. So this is really enabled by connected planning. This is enabled by proper technology proper data, proper process, and it, and really skillful workforce that can do all of this with this lesson to Brilliant. Um, Ivo, you just mentioned Deloitte, right? And I'd like, I mean, what is the value, I mean, what is the relationship of, you know, between Deloitte and Anaplan, and what is the value add of going to market together? Uh, I mean, this is a synergy. You know, one cannot happen without the other. I mean, it's similar to the concept that we talk about here, connectedness, right? So. We provide the solutions and the tools based on best practices, and Deloitte is making that a reality with their customers. Because this, this is a this is a conversation, you know, that is equally business and and technology. So how do you solve that? So what better, you know, party to go to for customers to talk to a a, a company like Deloitte, where you bring that business point of view, that consultancy, but also being able to make it a reality, right? You know, one can can be excluded without the other. So there's an extreme value add. Otherwise, I build products that are just products, mm. right? You know, Deloitte, 
adds the extra value to it by making it a reality for our customers. So all the numbers that we provide in terms of, you know, better quality decision making that Dane talked about, that trans that, that is supported by connected planning and then leads to shareholder value. I mean, that, that is what Deloitte delivers, you know, with, with the help of our tools. So that synergy, that is, I think, where the business value is being delivered. And to add from a, from a Deloitte perspective, our relationship with Anaplan is unique, very deep. Uh, we are in the trenches with our customers. We're out there facing their issues and problems, and we bring that back into our, our relationship with Anaplan to help build better products, build better solutions that we ultimately can solve the business problems that our customers have. Without that relationship, without that common understanding of what the customers are looking for, and without being able to co-innovate, we can't solve these problems. And that's the relationship we have with, with uh, Anaplan, and we treasure it, and we need to build on it to support this region, develop its enormous objectives. Well, I think you're fortunate in that globally Deloitte's our biggest partner. We have tremendous capability across Europe, across North America, which we can bring to bear in, in this region, which we do. But what I love about the relationship, besides everything my colleagues have articulated, is you're also a customer. So you use Anaplan today to facilitate your decision making. And that puts you in a unique position when you're with your clients, you have first-hand experience of how you do project profitability, how you do financial transformation yourselves, which gives you a really unique perspective on advising our clients. So I love those, inter well, not all of those interactions, but most of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and for me, as, as you pointed out, it is bi-directional, yeah. right? So, so we build these solutions, Deloitte implements with the customers, and then we get a feedback. And the way I look at it, talking to Deloitte is like talking to a thousand customers. And the beauty of that is that Deloitte gives me then sort of a common perspective, not a sort of an individual one-on-one -on -one customer need or requirement, but you know, Jesper, you could tell me, you know what, Evo, I've heard this from a hundred customers. And that's really important for us to drive our product innovation. Because if I know and I can trust a partner to tell me that there's many customers out there that need it, it's much easier for me to make that business case and and make you know create that innovation so invest in that innovation so that, that's really important you know for, for me um and one last point um you know we take it for granted but deloitte proves that anaplan works for sap customers okay so i know a lot of our customers have done major investments in sap environments so oftentimes the question is do we need anaplan well, I think with the Deloitte, we're proving that there is a very important role for Anaplan to play in an SAP environment for uh, enterprise business planning. And, you know, to support it with statistics, 85% of our mutual customers are large SAP customers. So that is the added value for us. You know, we're a lot smaller than SAP and we operate in, in big SAP environments, which is great. And our goal is to be the biggest SAP partner for our customers because you know, together we prove that that works and there is added value. Otherwise, we would not have 85% of our customers you know, doing this with Anaplan. They would have all chosen an SAP and they didn't. And, and would this apply to other platforms? I mean, you know, beyond SAP, so Adobe, Salesforce. I mean, how does, I mean, how does this work? And you know, how can uh, you know, clients really make more for or return or, or higher return on their investment uh, 
through through these technologies. Well, uh, Evo can give you a technologist's view of integration, but from from a commercial perspective, as I mentioned earlier, people made really smart investments in each of their towers. So today we run territory quota planning on top of SAP for a large percentage of our clients, including ourselves. We sit on top of Workday for strategic workforce planning for a lot of people. We sit on top of SAP for 85% of our clients for that. And the reason we do that is we have the ability to abstract the detail from each of the towers into a decision-making layer that doesn't require integration so that you can make very clear, connected decisions across your organization. So I would say, as Ivo pointed out, it amplifies the investment that you've already made without compromising on a adjacent technology to what is the core strength of that application. So just because you do Salesforce and CRM doesn't mean that that's the best equipped tool to do financial planning. And just because you do financial planning with a really good tool doesn't mean that they're best equipped to do supply chain planning. We just do planning and we do connected planning at the enterprise and, and that's our competitive advantage, which is an amplifier for your existing technologies investments. Yeah, so I can add to that. I mean, it, it actually aligns to the buying centers you talked about. You know, Salesforce, you know, Chief Operating Officer, Chief Revenue Officer. You know, you run, um, you know, SAP Finance, you know, that's your CFO. Uh, maybe you run Workday uh, for HR. So the question then is, so, and it's all, you know, extremely important and critical to run your operations, to run sales, to run HR, to run finance. What we're doing is to, okay, we leverage that to then look forward. So what's going to happen? How do you optimize this? If you have a great Salesforce deployment and you run a very uh, efficient and effective sales organization, next question becomes, well, what is the most optimal organization, you know, in, in terms of territory and quota management? That's what we do. But then if you do that only for your Salesforce, that for that one buyer, you know, it's still in silo. And that's where we break the walls. That's where you say, you know, look, here's the synergy. You optimize that for sales. You do that also for financing, you connect those two. So your, your most optimal sales organization is also driving the best financial results. Same thing with supply chain, et cetera. So that's where the synergies are. So that's, you know, one plus one, you know, equals three. You know, we get more out of the individual components than, you know, just simply the summation of, of the, the, the value of those. So I think that's where a lot of value is. And last on the technical, you know, we provide all the, 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 the means to connect it. Otherwise we wouldn't have done it already with our customers. So you can integrate into all those systems and, you know, where it gets a little hard, that's where Deloitte comes in to make it easier. So you should ensure connecting a lot of naturally siloed application through the planning, integrated planning process. This is the power of Enoplan. It's really bringing people together again. It's another example. Jesper, so we've talked about the region. Can you tell us more about what are the market and industry trends that you're seeing in the region today? Middle East is going through an enormous transformation where we're actually leapfrogging the rest of the world. We don't have a lot of legacy issues like we see in the Western Europe or in the US or part of Asia. We're actually trying to get ahead of it, of the competition, which is very exciting and a very exciting place to, to be and live in. We also see a lot of innovation coming in, in our clients. They're actually trying not to, to replicate old mistakes. They're trying to reinvent their product base, how they go to market. They're trying to reinvent their whole customer journeys. And this is putting a lot of demand on us because we actually have to innovate with them or ahead of our customers. 
And this is this growth that we're seeing as well, just drives a lot of demands on supply chains, on people, on salaries and compensation, et cetera, et cetera. So for, for us here in the Middle East, we are at the heart of the world's transformation. We're, we're actually in a region where the GDP growth exceeds most of the rest of the world. And we see the world converging here. Everybody wants to be part of the Middle Eastern story to help contribute to actually experience what we're experiencing in the Middle East. So it's a fa fabulous place to live. And we, we, we just want more collaboration with the likes of Anaplan to actually help our customers reach their objectives. Uh, look, I agree, it's a super exciting region. Um, if we look at the whole 2030 strategy and the reinvention of the Middle East economy, that's literally exciting to watch and evolve. Um, I think your point around legacy versus reinvention is a really good point. From a technology perspective, this is a $9 billion cloud market space and it's growing at 21%, which is faster than any other market that we serve. So adopting these new technologies, putting them to work in new innovative ways is amazing to be part of. And you know, the challenge that the clients are bringing us are fresh, innovative, but they're looking for leadership into the next part of the generation rather than what we've done before. It's great to be part of that journey. So you mentioned cloud, and I'm gonna take that back to Evo. Mm. Can you talk to us a bit about cloud transformation and what are the opportunities and the challenges? Yeah, no, I can. And if you look at the conference here, you know, I can say, you know, cloud is a very hot topic, you know, no, no pun intended. But uh, yeah, it's all over here. And, and if we compare it to other regions, you know, where, you know, I've spent a lot of time as well, you know, maybe we're, they were a little earlier in, in adoption, you know, but what I like about this region is, is that now that they firmly believe they're all in, Whereas maybe in other regions, you know, like in Europe, they're a little bit more cautious, you know, maybe because of the legacy, but it's a, they take small steps, but here it's, everything is large scale, right? And I think that really adapts to what we're doing here because we're also looking to make big transformation, you know, what we talked about in business. But if we look at cloud, I've yet to meet a customer now that isn't interested in doing something in the cloud, whether it's in the combination with, you know, hybrid systems um, or doing everything in the cloud. So. This is across every industry, financial services, manufacturing, retail, public sector, you know, everyone's looking at what are we going to do in the cloud, not if. Um, and I think there, there's very clear reasons. If you look at our space, it also goes back to what we talked about earlier. A lot of the legacy systems, you know, those silos that we talked about are on-premise. Now with moving to the cloud, you actually have that ability and that opportunity to unify it, you know, in one place. And that's what we are for an Anaplan. So get rid of those on-premise systems, spreadsheets that are, you know, by nature, uh, you know, on-premise, and now unify this all in the cloud. It's going to be a lot easier. And I think there's three main reasons um, that customers are looking at, you know, and, and, and seeing advantages. You know, one is faster deployments. Second is software as a service. And third is scalability. So if you, if you uh, reflected on what we're doing, and then we just talked about with enterprise business planning, faster deployments are key, right? You, you cannot, you know, if you, if you want to transform the way that you plan and manage your business, you can wait for 18 months. I mean, the, the, the world is moving way too fast. So you want to, you want to get started, uh, something started quick. And what we're seeing is deployments, you know, from eight to 12 weeks, right? Very fast, you know, doing some rapid prototyping and already learn what you need to do 
compared it to some of our competitors, you know, like SAP, you're talking about six to 18 months, right? So you cannot afford that. So that, that's one reason to move to the cloud. Second is software as a service. So that also puts the accountability on, on us to provide value. So if we don't provide value and you subscribe to our software, you do not renew. And we take that very seriously. So we look at our renewals, are they high enough? Because if they're not, we're not providing value. Good news is our renewals are, are extremely high compared to industry standards. Yep. We're in the high 90s, right? Mm. So compare it again, where I'm coming from at SAP, we were in the low 70s. And it says a lot about your ability to make your customers happy and provide value. And the last, this is extremely important because everything we talked about in planning, you need data. We all know that. And there's more and more data available. So what our customers need is scalability. How do you scale fast to get more data sets? Everything we've talked about in supply chain planning, territory and quota management, you can make better decisions by having more and better data. Well, if you're on-premise and you have first have to make a decision, you know, how much do we need to invest in a bigger server, expanding our data center, get all the approvals, you know, it takes a long time. Cloud resolves that for you. And we do that uh, as well. You need more data, you need to scale it out, you know, almost instantly you can get, you know, bigger data sets and, and improve your overall planning. So faster deployments, uh, software as a service, you know, our commitment to renew you because we're providing value and then scalability to use more and more data. So let's dive into AI, and, and I'll continue with you, Ivo, and, and uh, we'd love topic? to hear the, the, <laughs> the rest of, of, of the views. But I mean, what are you hearing with senior executives around AI? And obviously, it's such a hot topic What are topic we not today. hearing? <laughs> Who's not talking about AI? So I think everyone's talking about AI. That, that's clear, uh, also in the C-level. But I don't think anyone has an AI strategy. You know? So you know, everyone's talking about generative AI, but what does it mean, right? You know. Um, other than, you know, can you, you know, can you create me lyrics, you know, in the style of Taylor Swift around rugby, right? You know, <laughs> um, but I mean, uh, you know, I think there, there, there's three things in, in our world where AI matters. And, you know, we want to help our customers to actually build a strategy around this and we provide or build products, you know, to support this where it matters. One is that has always been there, data science. You know, building models, intelligent models on how your business works. For example, you know, what are the customer categories? How, how do we, um, you know, segment our customers? You know, what are the attributes? What are their behaviors or our sales force? You know, how does our sales force operate? You know, having machine learning models, you know, find patterns that we cannot easily find ourselves, right? It will take a long time. And what we're doing is to, create an open platform so that our customers can use those machine learning models without having to move everything to Anaplan. And that's the beauty. You know, you don't have to replace what you already have. So a lot of customers I talked to today, they have a lot of models, machine learning models and data scientists that, that tell them a lot about their business. And I just say, you know, we're going to make use of that. You know, keep that if it's in Python, if it's in TensorFlow or whatever, you know, language you want to program them in we'll make sure that we bring them in into this overall connected planet. So that's one, right? So machine learning in, in, in general. Second is using generative AI for business intelligence. I think we're just at the starting point where business intelligence will be completely different. You know, gone are the dashboards that, that people will build manually. 
these will be generated, you know, and we're starting with natural language querying. You know, just ask a question, you know, what is my top revenue uh, by product by region? Not only will, it, will you get the answer, you will get the dashboard and everything will be generated. Th that's what I foresee. And third, using generative AI to build those models that we talked about, right? So today there's a lot of manual work in creating models and, you know, creating formulas and, and calculations. I think what we'll see is that also AI will be used to generate a lot of that, which is totally fine. Because I, I think then we can get to, you know, sort of what makes a company unique. There's still a lot of, you know, human intelligence that goes into that. So, and, and let me, you know, just finish by, by saying, you know, in general, you know, with AI and, and machine learning, I think there will be a, a, an important human element in this. We still need people to test and train models. We need to make uh, AI explainable. Mm -hmm. So imagine, you know, we cannot have a decision management system completely autonomous. It still needs to be tested in against, do we even understand how we got to these decisions if there is a machine, you know, in between? So we'll have that. Um, and, uh, you know, last but not least, we need to ensure that, you know, machine learning and AI are aligned on our goals. There needs to be goal alignment. So, uh, you know, we need to make sure that the machine doesn't optimize, you know, the organizational goals um, counter to our human interests, so to speak. You know, if, if, you know, the, if the optimal solution is, you know, get rid of all humans, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> and, 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 and no, but, but it's the reality. It's something that we have to, you know, look into. I, I think that that is something that that's one of the risks of machine learning if we're not careful. So we have to make it explainable and we have to, you know, make explicit goal alignment, you know, with, with our human interests. Right. So anyway, that's my point. Of view. Look, I, I'm so I'm the guy that does stuff today. Evo is the guy that does stuff for the future. So. <laughs> I think today there are, there's definitely a buzz around AI, specifically since the emergence of ChatGBT, and it, it provides a lot of productivity in a lot of areas. I'm a technology optimist, so I think it will be put to good use to free up time for us to th think and do higher order things. But there, there, there are almost two types of companies out there. there you know, there's the digital innovators that have data scientists, they have their own data sets, they're coding today, experimenting for years, and I, I've worked with many of those companies over the years. And then we have those that are new to this area. Um, and I think we have a, a, an emerging solution where we're gonna be open and work with you if you have AI models and be able to bring that data in for decision making. But today we have a level of predictive analysis and predictive forecasting that's based on an AI model which we've had in production for four years. So we've had clients today that can go back to what you said about the cloud, and actually we work very closely with Amazon on this, leveraging the data sets that are available in, in the cloud to make better decisions. For example, um, weather patterns. You may be selling a particular product that is dependent on weather patterns, whether it's hot weather or cold weather, being able to use that as a predictive engine to drive your forecast, which then drives your demand which drives your supply chain? Or where are you most likely to sell a particular product based on consumer movements? Think about, you know, right now the World Cup rugby is in Paris. The World Cup cricket is in India. So those things are known and there are data sets around that, which is incredible intelligence to plan your forecast, to compare against your annual operating plan, 
and against your supply plan to make sure you have sufficient technology or sufficient inventory to service the demand that is a seasonal or four yearly cycle pattern. And those are, from an, a technologist perspective, really simple AI tasks. But from a business perspective, incredibly valuable. So when we talk about a new world today, I think we can deliver for a technologist, very basic AI capability that allows you predictive forecasting, which will drive two or three points of EBITDA and allow you to invest that back into the next generation of AI. So we are living in a new world today, exactly. I mean, that was going to be, I mean, as we wrap up our conversation, uh, yeah, is this really a new world today, not in the future? And I mean, looking at the next two to three years, how do you, how do you see your discussions evolving with clients based on what we are living today? And you know, how, how could that look like? I think we're going to see very different commercial models. So for enterprises such as ourselves, enterprises such as Anaplan, and the customers are going to expect something completely new based on where we are today and what is happening around us, what we're experiencing today, could be AI. But new commercial models are definitely evolving. Partnerships in a different way, not a client-customer-vendor uh, type relationship, but a lot more collaborative, joined up together with a shared interest in outcomes. I'm gonna. I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of that. We see it already in play, but I think that has to become an outcome. Uh, this is so difficult for people to actually absorb and comprehend and really adopt. We need to work together as connected enterprises to actually solve these problems for our customers, but also for ourselves. But I see that commercial, those commercial models evolve quite drastically, and they will have to because it's a very complicated topic. Uh, for sure, but it's an incredibly exciting future. We are in the middle of the future. I don't understand fully what this means for what I do today and what I'm going to be doing tomorrow mm. yet, because it's just such an innovation that we've seen. It's, it's taken so little time to innovate so fast. I don't know what the future brings, but I can say for one thing, I'm very excited because it's in what we're seeing and, and what the abilities are for enterprises like predictive analytics, but just completely driven by machines, and you, you control it or maybe verify, that's a change of everybody's job position. That's a complete different approach to working. Mm -hmm. It's very exciting. It's very interesting. And I'm definitely con you know, very confident that we are in the future right now. Evo, well, last yeah, word? Sure. Uh, well, I mean, are we in a new world? I think if we describe what that new world then is, is, um, you know, change is constant. Uh, I, I think, you know, what, what I'm seeing is, I mean, you, you can relate it to the challenges that, you know, senior level decision making are, are faced with. And I think there's a couple. One is, how do you sense the environment? If everything's changing so fast and so dr uh, dramatically compared to what we have seen in the past, you know, we need to be on top of what's happening. So sensing the environment too is then how do you prepare for any different scenario, be it geopolitical, macroeconomic competitive moves. So not only sensing what's happening, but how do we prepare for that? And then third, and this is a key word that I hear a lot is how do we now create a resilient company, not just in the short term, but also for the mid to long term. So, you know, gone are the stable supply chains, you know, everything runs. 
you know, how do we build a supply chain that is resilient when there is a change? Can we pivot to, you know, in another region? You know, can we pivot to, you know, another material, you know, in our supply chain, just to give you an example. And that to me, that's why I'm so excited, Jasper, yes, hmm. is that I, I get a feeling, that, I mean, that this is what we do. Mm. The, the, you know, everything, sensing the environment, you know, uh, prepare for scenarios, uh, building resilient companies. I'm like, you know, this is us. I'm not making this up. It's almost the reverse. Like, I chose this path. I chose this company, the, these solutions. It's like, wow, you know, we are part of this solution. So I'm very excited about that. And um, yeah, I, I think we're, we're just at a starting point, you know, to, uh, to, to make this happen. I think for me, both these gentlemen have articulated a, a, the region, the excitement, the technology. A couple of points I would make. One very famous technologist once said, um, this is as slow as we'll ever go. So think about that. Yeah. Think yeah. about COVID. Think about all of the conflicts that have happened around the world in the last couple of, two, a couple of years. This is as slow as decision making will ever be, number one. Number two, it's easier to divert a body in motion than to put it in motion. So I would suggest we get started, move in a direction, and constantly refine, because that's what you know, this is about. It, it's fast moving. You can't sit there bound, do nothing for two years, because then you're left way behind. So baby steps in the direction, learn to walk, learn to run, learn to sprint. That's what it's about for me. So I'm loving the journey. Amazing. Thank you all very much. This has been really insightful conversation and thank you all for joining me. Thank you. It's been great. Thank you. It was our pleasure. Thank you. It's a great conversation.